I'm visiting all 30 stadiums in one season to uncover the hidden stories that make baseball America's pastime. Rounding third with Manish Jane. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the San Francisco Giants and AT&T Park. I am so giddy with excitement right now to share this podcast with you that (laughs) in the interest of full disclosure, I will be completely honest with you, I have stopped and started this little opening bit and re-recorded it maybe five or six times and I may have to do it again, actually, because I don't know how I'm going to introduce the interview that I did with these two unbelievable women in San Francisco. Before I get to that, though, I do want to do my normal bit of rambling nonsense up top, explaining a little bit about AT&T Park, the history of it, and where the Giants played before moving to this absolutely stunning ballpark. But after that, I'm telling you, you guys have got to stick around because the interview that I did with, with, with these two ladies is most likely, I don't know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people in my life, and I think this might be my favorite interview I've ever done. But before we get to that fun stuff, I just want to give you a couple of minutes of history about professional baseball in San Francisco. Now, I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, we know the history. 1958, the New York Giants moved over to the West Coast, became the San Francisco Giants, that's it. Move it along now, buddy. We all know the story. But no, guy I just made up in my head, you're wrong. Professional baseball existed in San Francisco all the way back in 1903. That's right, the first professional ball club in the city by the bay were the San Francisco Seals, a minor league club that was one of the original members of the Pacific Coast League. If it wasn't for those lovely Seals and their stadium seating about 22,000, 23,000 people, the San Francisco Giants would have had nowhere to play in 1958 because Candlestick Park wasn't actually built until 1960. So for their first two seasons, the San Francisco Giants played their Major League Baseball games inside of a minor league park, Seal Stadium. Obviously, a park that only holds 22 or 23,000 people wasn't going to be enough to contain the fandom of the San Francisco Giants. So this led to a new ballpark being built, Candlestick, which sat about 42, 43,000 people in its earliest inception, and it grew to about 58,000 plus towards the end of its run. Now, those numbers are exclusively just for baseball season. Obviously, the San Francisco 49ers would later on call Candlestick home, and the seating capacities for football and baseball are a little bit different. The San Francisco 49ers moved into Candlestick in 1971, and after 28 years of sharing their home field with the local football team, the Giants decided it was time to build their own baseball-specific stadium. In the year 2000, they finally made the move to Pacific Bell Park, which then turned into SBC Park, before now finally landing on the name AT&T Park. I never got a chance to see a baseball game at Candlestick. This was my first game at AT AT&T. But I gotta tell you, I hope that they stay in this ballpark for the next 100 years. It is absolutely spectacular. They split the difference between the seating capacity between Seal Stadium and a candlestick, resting around 42,000, which I think is the perfect number for a baseball stadium. I think any more than that, and the sound gets lost. And any smaller than that, you just can't get the intensity. I think 42,000 is a good number. Where it's located directly on the bay, 
gives you some of the most spectacular views in the entire country. In the previous episode, I talked a little bit about the San Diego Padres and the peaceful and serene atmosphere they have built over at Petco Park. By building a beach in the outfield, they've really created this kind of relaxing atmosphere that you can catch a ball game at. Here in San Francisco, there may not be a beach, but there's a lot of water where you can just sit back, watch a ball game, and bliss out. I don't know about you guys, but anytime I'm by the water, I just, my entire brain shuts down. I get so calm and relaxed, and you put me inside of a ballpark and you surround me by water, you've pretty much found my utopia. I adore AT&T Park. Before I turned on the mic today, I really racked my brain trying to think about if there was anything about my time in San Francisco that I didn't like. Obviously, things were a little bit pricey. Parking was $35, which, wow, that's, that's a little bit unnecessary. But I understand. San Francisco is a big city, not a lot of spaces. I get it. The food's a little bit overpriced. But once again, you know, here I am talking about money. It's, that's the cost of doing business. You go to any sporting event these days, any theater, any club, wherever you're going to, everything costs more than it should. So really, those don't really matter. Other than that, if you are going to go catch a game at AT&T, I recommend bringing a light jacket, even if it's a day game, and layers if it's at night, because from what I hear, it's better than it was a candlestick, but it's, you know, it gets windy and cold. But honestly, that's all I could think about. That's it. Oh, it's a little chilly, and it's a little bit too expensive. If that's all you have to complain about, you've done a really good job of building a great baseball stadium in San Francisco. Not only is the field itself beautiful, the view is spectacular, the food is delectable, and there is so much cool stuff to do inside the park. I had no idea that the giant Coke bottle that sits out there in the outfield is actually a giant slide. Never in my life have I been more disappointed that I was no longer a child and did not have a massive, massive back problem because I desperately wanted to jump up on top of that slide and go down there. But I'm afraid I'm too old and too frail to do that anymore. In addition to that, they've got the giant glove in the outfield that you can get your picture with. They've got a live organist that isn't just hidden up there by the press box or in a luxury suite. He sits right there in center field, and you can watch him play live. It's actually pretty impressive. But honestly, that's enough of me going on and on about how much I love this ballpark. You just need to go there and experience it for yourself. It is a really good time watching the game in San Francisco. But I think that part of the reason why I had such a good time is because of the people that I went to the game with. Now, I'm going to introduce you to two people that are going to become your two favorite people as they become mine. I met Barbara and Adela, an awesome mother and daughter combination, in Cooperstown, New York, before this tour even began. While the first game of my tour happened at City Field, a week earlier, I had taken a bit of a trip up to the Baseball Hall of Fame to kind of give myself a bit of a good luck charm and, and set my tour off right. As I was walking around the rooms, checking out the plaques, and really just immersing myself in baseball history, I was approached by a woman who thought that I was a Giants fan. I was wearing my Away Tigers hat, which has an orange logo, so from at a distance, she must have thought that it was a Giants logo. 
Well, after a couple of minutes of her giving me some playful ribbing about the Giants really taking my Tigers to the woodshed in the 2012 World Series, we just began talking about our respective love for the game. And Barbara introduced me to her daughter, Adela, and talked to me about how they go to games at AT&T all the time and how they were at Matt Cain's perfect game and just how the game of baseball has really bonded them as mother and daughter. Now, for those of you who have listened to previous podcasts, you will know my obsession of trying to get more women involved in the game of baseball. I'm going to be completely honest with you. This has not been a lifelong obsession of mine. It's something that I've thought of from time to time, and it was in my younger days something that I always wondered why more girls didn't enjoy baseball, but it didn't really become an obsession until I met Barbara and Adela. As I stood there in the plaque room of the Baseball Hall of Fame, listening to this mother and daughter talk to me about why baseball matters to them and why baseball is something that has connected them their entire lives and will continue to connect them even when Adela goes off to college, it ignited something in me. It set something off in me. It actually frustrated me a little bit that this was a story that I had not heard very much. That in my entire lifetime of reading books about baseball or watching movies or even just talking to perfect strangers on the street, it is always fathers and sons. It is always fathers and grandfathers or great-grandfathers. or It's such a male-dominated story, and I'm really getting sick of it. Hearing Barbara and Adela tell their story, it completely reinvigorated me, and it gave me a new purpose in life. And that purpose was to figure out how to get more ladies out to the ballpark. When we met at Cooperstown, Barbara, Adela, and myself were perfect strangers. Over the next couple of months, we traded emails back and forth. Barbara graciously invited me to come sit with her at the Giants game and Adela, which happened to be Adela's birthday which was a very cool experience to share that moment with her. But afterwards, they both graciously sat down with me and allowed me to interview them for about 20, 25 minutes. In this interview, you're going to hear a lot of great memories of being a Giants fan. You're going to hear a lot of great mother and daughter bonding moments. One thing that I want you to keep an ear out for is if you are a fan of the San Francisco Giants, you owe Barbara a giant thank you for playing an integral role and keeping these giants in San Francisco. And if you don't know what I'm talking about by that, listen to the interview, because this woman is incredible. When I met these two ladies in Cooperstown, I had this entire tour in front of me. I was nervous. I was scared. I had no idea if I was actually going to be able to have the energy to do it. Waking up in a new city every 48 hours, driving tens of thousands of miles, pretty much by myself. It was a daunting task. But after sitting down with them in Cooperstown, I knew that I had to make it to San Francisco so I could actually interview them more properly and find out more about their lives. In my down moments on the road when I was feeling tired, when I was feeling exhausted, I kept San Francisco in my thoughts. I said, I'm going to make it to San Francisco because I want to sit down with Barbara and Adela and I want to hear all about their story. And I'm so glad I did because now I get to share with all of you. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to Barbara and Adela. These two women have been an inspiration to me on this tour, and I can't wait for you all to get to know them like I did. I hope you enjoy my chat with Barbara and Adela. 
so I'm sitting here at the public house uh, right next to AT&T Park with two wonderful human beings, Barbara and Adela. These two actually are part of the reason why I've been having so much fun on this tour because I met them, they were my good luck charms at Cooperstown at the very beginning of my tour. A mother and daughter combination who've been coming to Giants games together for years and they really, really inspired me uh, and have kept me going in my darker moments on the road. So thank you guys so much for inviting me to uh, AT&T Park, inviting me to sit with you at the game and you guys actually invited me on the field today. You've given me the most unique, wonderful experience I've had thus far. So first, let me just say thank you so much and uh, welcome to the podcast. Our pleasure. Welcome to San Francisco and AT&T Park. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, all right, we got a lot to cover, but the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you are a mother and daughter, and that is something that, you know, it is so difficult for me to find mother and daughter that truly love the game of baseball as much as you do. And so just how did that get started? I mean, were, were, was your mother a fan of baseball or your father? How did you get started in baseball? I think pretty late in life, actually. I actually uh, lived in Boston, went to school in Boston for a few years and uh, never went inside Fenway Park. Amazing. So I became a baseball fan out in uh, San Francisco in uh, 1978. Oh, okay. Wow. Very nice. All right. And then, so was that something that you just came to on your own or, or how, why, just because you moved here and you decided I got to be a Giants fan? No, I think the Giants were doing something exciting uh, mid-season in 1978, and I just came to a game, and I just remember Ed Helicki threw a, a shutout. He was a very tall pitcher. And I didn't know much about baseball at all, but I, I just went by myself, and I was sitting with some interesting people, and I just thought, this is fun. <laughs> See, that's the beauty of it. You go to a ballpark, you sit with some interesting people, that's why people got to come out. You become a baseball fan for life. All right, so then now, you know, uh, well, actually, was, was that your first time ever at a baseball game? Actually, I'd gone when I was like 13. Somebody had brought me to a Dodger game, and we sat like in nosebleed seats. I barely remember it, and I did not know what was going on on the field. <laughs> okay, so so this was, and this was, was this Candlestick in 78? Candlestick, indeed, yes. Okay, so then now we'll fast forward a little bit, and you had this lovely daughter here. Was this something that you decided, I need to get her into baseball right away, or did you let her come to it on her own? She had no choice in the matter. One of her first baby pictures, you know, at a photo studio, J.C. Penney's, is her with, like, this big stuffed baseball. And her birth announcement said she was going to be the starting shortstop for the Giants and all sorts. <laughs> she had no choice in the matter. <laughs> what do you feel about that? Is that something you're okay with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm basically alive because of baseball. Like, my parents met through baseball. What was, You can talk about. Well, she went and she was with a group called Baseball for Peace, I believe. And um, she actually went to Nicaragua, where my dad is from, and that's just a huge baseball country. And my dad, um, his dad is actually like the manager of the team in his town and the, like the announcer, and he hosts some like radio shows. And my dad actually played baseball and was thinking about being a baseball player over there. And they, she actually traveled with the Baseball for Peace group to Nicaragua. I don't know everything about that. But then they met um, through my grandpa and then ended up eventually having me. <laughs> that is beautiful. So tell me a little bit about what is this Baseball for Peace? Oh, it was a group back um, 
in the mid to late 80s uh, was uh, after there was a revolution in Nicaragua the uh, and um, then the, the revolutionary government took over and of course the United States government was not a fan of the revolutionary government so uh, this is a little political but it's it's the truth and so the US government helped start what was called the Contra war they financed the war against the people of Nicaragua and uh, we went down and we weren't allowed to travel it was like Cuba we weren't allowed Americans weren't allowed to travel to Nicaragua and somehow I hooked up with this baseball for peace group and we traveled through Mexico and went, went on a mission of peace and baseball to Nicaragua that is awesome. That is very, very, oh my goodness. I'm so jealous. Well, you know, well, we're on that, so you've had baseball kind of in your blood then for quite a while because you also, which I did not know, you are integral and a bit of a San Francisco celebrity. If it wasn't for you, and yes, I'm putting it exclusively on your shoulders, <laughs> if it wasn't for you, the San Francisco Giants would be the Tampa Ray or Tampa Bay Giants or whatever they would have been back in, was it 92? was 92 when they so in 92 that's when they were thinking about moving the team and you were integral part of it actually you know I'll let you tell the stories you need to tell me what you did to keep this team in San Francisco well it actually started in the mid 80s again and uh, it was pretty clear candlestick wasn't a suitable uh, baseball park and um, so that with the uh, ownership at the time uh, started trying to get a, a new ballpark built in San Francisco and there were a couple of ballot measures. One was in 1987, and it failed. And I got very involved at that point. And we got this beautiful ballpark. Actually, it was proposed for the location it is now with a similar design. In the 1989 um, ballot, three weeks before Election Day, there was a big earthquake during the World Series at Candlestick Park. And, of course, we didn't continue campaigning for a couple of weeks. We actually, some of the campaign staff actually went and worked, uh, did some relief at, at the, uh, in the, the neighborhood that was hit, hit hardest by the earthquake. We did restart the campaign. The election happened. We lost by under 700 votes. Heartbreaking. So a couple years later, the ownership said, we're not going to get our ballpark, we're going to sell. And this is the owner who had kept the Giants from going to Toronto, I believe, in the 70s. So he did, you know, he stepped in to keep the Giants in San Francisco before. I have all kinds of respect for him, and I really do empathize with his position. But he wasn't going to sell our Giants and let them go to Florida. So I kind of, I with a couple other folks who I'd been active with in, in the prior campaigns, we started a grassroots effort to keep the Giants from going to Tampa. We had to get people excited in town and the Bay Area and we also launched a postcard campaign uh, sending uh, I think uh, thousands and thousands of postcards to team owners and to the Commissioner of Major League Baseball encouraging them to vote no on the on the sale because Major League Baseball has to approve any sale or move of a team. That is that warms my heart that is that is such an awesome story and you know that is just that's the type of dedication that you know you really don't see in a lot of other sports. I, I you know teams relocate all the time, and you know to see you guys come out there and, and really pound the pavement and fill out those postcards and send them, and you know be able to have the faith. You know we were talking a little bit about my city, about Detroit, and kind of some of the frustrations that I've had with, with that city. But to be able to just like to have the faith to know that it's going to happen, and you got to be able to just keep on talking. That one person, that two people, that three people can make such. A monumental difference you know like I said you I was being a little bit hyperbolic but you did have 
a, a very massive part in this city keeping a, a baseball team. And if it wasn't for you and your group of friends there, 2010 and 2012 would not have happened for this squad. You know, this city would not have got the revenue that I'm sure the city got. You know, this this bar that we're sitting in probably wouldn't be existing. These people that work here wouldn't have jobs. You know, it's 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 quite amazing what you and your little band of uh, uh, just baseball-loving folks were able to pull off. And yes, and it, it actually, uh, uh, Jack Bear, the Giants actually talked about it today. There were really three efforts going. There was the grassroots fan effort, not just in San Francisco, but the Bay Area. And uh, there was the city that was, uh, the city and county of San Francisco was fighting to keep them. And then of course the money people. That was important too. But the, uh, the money, I don't think the money would have come if it hadn't been for the, the grassroots support of the fans. Well that's it. I mean the money people aren't gonna come unless they know that they've got someone, you know, there's a fan base that's gonna ultimately support them and bring the money back. So, and you mentioned Jack Bear. He is legal counsel uh, for uh, the San Francisco Giants. He very graciously uh, gave us some passes earlier and let us go on the field for bat batting practice. And uh, yeah, he was a very wonderful man. And actually, the story that I heard, which uh, we was confirmed, is that the big mitt in uh, uh, left center field there is actually modeled off of Jack Bear's father's mitt, which is uh, pretty cool, actually. So, so his father, you know, he's got a mitt that that's going to be standing for at least the rest of the time the AT&T Park is standing, which uh, that's that's a pretty cool thing. But uh, so now getting back a little bit to the mother-daughter uh, uh, creation here, because I really do find it unique, and, and I'm trying really hard to find more of this. What do you think it is about baseball that, for you two specifically, has kind of brought you together and given you something to talk about? What is it about just the experience coming to the ballpark or watching on TV? Why baseball versus anything else really in the world? Well, it's just something I love. It's something her father loved. Her first game was when she was three weeks old. Again, she didn't have a choice. <laughs> well, you know what, though? But there's a lot of kids, though, that if, if your parents are forcing something on you or saying you've got to do it, a lot of kids would rebel. And, you know, it looks like you have really embraced it and, and become a, a, a huge fan in your own right. So, I mean, what was it about baseball that you really liked when you were a kid? Um... I don't know. I, I guess it, at first I didn't really understand every part of it, but it was just like a family experience. Like we would all go together and like cheer with each other and celebrate and getting to know the people like sitting around us was really fun. And usually I was the only kid there, but I don't know. I just still, I liked being around the adults and like having fun. Um, but then I guess when I was like five, I started playing t-ball and then later baseball and later softball. So I really started to understand the game and really made me appreciate it a lot more watching it. And um, yeah, it really helped me admire the, what the players were doing and like really see how awesome the game was. Well, you know, you said, you know, you start off with T-ball in, you know, in Little League, and that's what I had a lot of girls on my T-ball and Little League team as well. And that always, even as a kid, I never fully got why do they have to now go and play their own thing. I, I've, always, I've always felt that if we let you know girls play baseball not I mean nothing against softball softball is a wonderful sport in its own right but I kind of feel like softball should be its own separate thing softball and baseball to me have nothing to do with one another it's like when people compare baseball and cricket it's baseball and cricket over in India you know it's it's not the same they're completely different games and I think that if, if we allowed more girls to continue to play baseball like you said it's it's a hard game to understand unless you play it, I think. When you play it, you get the intricacies, you get, and also you get how much fun it is. It doesn't look as quote unquote boring as people think it does when you're actually playing. So, I mean, so did you, how long did you play softball for? Um, I think I played 
until like sophomore year of high school. So I played like some form of baseball almost my whole life. And um, yeah, I, I mean it was, softball is kind of different. Like people kind of think of it since it's like known to be a girl's sport or like an old man sport kind of, <laughs> that yeah. it's kind of easier, but it's like a totally different set of skills that you need. Like I was um, mainly third base, but I was also pitching for a while and like fast pitch softball is just like totally different muscle groups. Like it's nothing compared to, like you can't really compare it to pitching for, um, for baseball or even slow pitch softball. It's just, it's very different, but I don't know. Well, that's one of my favorite things is that, you know, it's that old horrible expression of, you know, he throws like a girl where, you know what though? Every man that I've seen try to throw a softball the way you know you're supposed to do it. It it goes either way up in the air, right in the ground, to the right, to the left. I've never seen a grown man be able to legitimately throw. I I'll admit I cannot throw a softball. That you're right. The mechanics of that are so just it's it's so hard to master that like I said it is just a completely different game. So I mean. Honestly, at this point, I'm not in any position to be able to get women to play baseball. But believe me, if one day I ever have any power, I'm going to be screaming it from the rooftops that women need to, we need women in baseball. It's, it's, it's important that we have women in baseball. Um, so as a mom, what does it feel like to be able to have this time? So this is, by the way, uh, your birthday, Adele's birthday today. So it's, that's a wonderful experience to, to spend your birthday at the park. But now she's getting a little bit older. She's in school now. So... You know, luckily she's still coming home for the summers, but in a couple of years she might not be doing that. She might be living far away. So, what does what does baseball kind of do to try to strengthen that bond? You know, why is is do you think that this is something you guys going to do for the rest of your life, even if you know, God forbid, she's living a couple of hours away on the other on the other coast over there in New York? I think so. I mean, during the 2012 postseason, I was texting her play-by-play of the games because she was studying or couldn't. I don't know how easily you could watch the game while you were at college, but um, yeah, I think it'll. Uh, it, I think it's something we'll have in common for for years to come. I mean, we were together. The 2010 season was the most special for us because she was here, and we were together in the only clinching game that we uh, the Giants did at home that year the division clinch. It was really exciting and wonderful, and we went to playoff and World Series games together. We also had a very special experience in 2012 before she went away to college. We happened to be here on the night that Mr. Matt Cain through his perfect game. So, And I want to hear that, but before we do that, I heard a bit of annoyance in your voice about the fact that you clinched only one game at home. <laughs> I'm sorry, two World Series in three years. You are never allowed to be annoyed by that ever in your life, all right? That's ludicrous. Although, I will say, I was at for the 2006 American League Championship Series for the Detroit Tigers. I was sitting third baseline, and I watched the ball come off of Magliardonia's bat, go into the left field seats to win the ALCS, and walk off into the World Series. So I will say, clinching a game at home is kind of the coolest thing on the planet to do. That is a memory that I'm going to take with me forever. But still, two World Series in three years, you are not allowed to be annoyed. Um, but so, all right, you both, I need to hear about your experiences about this Matt Cain perfect game, because I'm super jealous. I have never come close to seeing anything like that. So what was that? What was the energy like in that stadium? What were you two feeling? I mean, were you nervous? I, I feel like I would throw up. Like, I would feel like that ninth inning would be crazy but uh let me hear it um 
Well, we were there by accident, really. It was kind of, it felt like meant to be, like to be there in the first place. Because I was actually going away to school like that summer. And I was only there for a few more days. And we just happened to, we wanted to squeeze in a last game. And this happened to be like the last game, I think. And um, it was just really awesome. The energy was amazing. I was basically like, freaking out the entire game. <laughs> like once I realized what was happening, I was like terrified. It was also kind of strange because like the normal people sit around us weren't there. It was just a strange game. So like no one was really there. There were a lot of people there that weren't really fans. And I remember like this one woman, she kept standing up and leaving, which first of all, I wouldn't do. Second of all, she kept saying, oh, we have a no-hitter going. We oh, have a perfect no. game going. No. And I was just like, oh, lady, shut up, please. <laughs> like, I was freaking out. And she just didn't understand what was happening at all. I think, like, half the people around us didn't even realize what was happening. But it was just, like, it was really special for us. It was, like, amazing. I was probably crying for, like, I don't even know how long after the game. And um, it was awesome. I, little, I just got chills. I just, that is, my, my body, little, I just got, that is absolutely, and uh, what do you remember from that game, Barbara? I've cried twice over baseball in my life, and once was when we won the 2010 World Series, and the other time was at that perfect game, because it was like, Cliff was there, who sits in yeah. front of us, and, you know, he'd seen many more games than I have. I've seen a lot of games in my life, and I never saw a no-hitter. To see a perfect game pitched by our home team by a wonderful, lovable player uh, with my daughter at my side, it was like, my. There, uh, where else can I go in baseball land? That's it. That's the, the zenith of baseball <laughs> fandom. So it was just awesome. Absolutely beautiful. All right, we're going to wrap it up with this so we can get back to this wonderful plate of nachos that's been taunting us this entire time. But... Uh, I just want to hear, and, and we're going to discount for the moment the perfect game because I believe that's probably the best experience you've ever had at a ballpark. And sorry, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be the best you know experience you're ever going to have for the rest of your life. I don't think you're ever going to top perfect game, mother daughter, home team, going out to college. That's that like you said it was meant to happen. That's that's just everything coming together. So if we discount that, so either you can tell me the earliest memory you have at a ballpark or. Just your favorite memory, discounting, you know, the uh, the perfect game. So at here at uh, AT and T. Well, an outstanding memory is the last game at Candlestick Park. Okay. That was fun. We had started paying for our charter seats at AT and T Park and weren't sitting in our like better seats. We were sitting in this these old football bleachers that they tagged the family section, and so she was four. And she'd go to every game with us, and well, we would we would go to like 20 games a season. She'd run on up. It was a great area. There was no smoking, no drinking, and kids could run around without getting yelled at. So it was just a fun. It was nostalgic to say goodbye to Candlestick. Everybody loved to hate Candlestick, but I I had a lot of good times there, and and it was her first baseball games or a Candlestick. So I kind of think of that fondly. 1999 Fan Appreciation Day, Candlestick Park. Do you remember uh, your early memories at Candlestick at all? I do remember hanging around Candlestick, but I don't remember like specific games. I was pretty young. Um, I do remember opening day at AT&T Park in 2000. Um, but I would say it's really hard to pinpoint like a game that I would call my favorite memory. 
I'd say like 2010 season, the playoffs were just amazing. It was like the energy in the stadium, I've never felt anything like that. Like 2012, I went to some games, but it wasn't the same. I don't think it'll ever be the same because it was the first time in San Francisco and you could just feel <laughs> the whole stadium. I don't know. I, it's kind of inexplicable, but it's like I didn't really doubt for a moment that like I knew that we were the underdogs for a lot of it, but I never really thought we would lose. I kind of just felt like we we would keep winning, even though it didn't make logical sense. <laughs> but um, I guess the clinch was awesome because I could I was really there. I really understood. I was old enough to understand what was happening. I was following every single aspect of the game. So I think that was one of my best. We're going to end with this then. So, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, with this tour is the mother-daughter theme. And I know this is going to be a very difficult question to answer, but what do, you know, both of you, either one of you think either baseball could do or I could do or you could, and what do you think mothers and daughters need to do to come out? What do we need to do to get more moms and daughters to the ballpark, more women at the ballpark? What, what needs to happen? How, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I want to find out how to get more women here. You know, I think baseball has a lot of female fans. No, they absolutely do. More so than the other sports, I absolutely agree with you. But it's still a heavily male-dominated sport. And I'll see in the crowds, and I'll see a lot of women who come. And they're, and I love the fact that they're here, but they're either reading a book or they're knitting, and they're there for their son or they're there for their father I mean, or for their husband or whatnot. I don't really see them really – like when I when I talk to you two, you two are – Baseball nerds, if you, you know, that's what you are, which so am I. We're, we, you know, there's a kinship here, and I don't see a lot of baseball, you know, female baseball nerds, and that's one thing that I'm really trying to look for here. I don't have an answer. Um, well, just making the sport more open to women, I guess. Like you were talking about before, like softball versus baseball. Like women are kind of secluded and the baseball world and basically making them making it more open having even like letting little girls play little league longer in in the baseball league instead of having being forced to switch which is what I had to do um, little things like that will keep girls interested and later women interested um, and just I don't know really educating them about the game can make it a lot more enjoyable than just I mean if you don't know what's happening it's not an interesting game and I'm sure lots of men bring their wives and don't tell them exactly what's happening so they just think of it as another boring thing they have to sit through but like if you know what you're watching it can be it can turn into something cool so that's that's unbelievably well put I think you hit the nail right on the head thank you so much you got, I'm telling you this, and I'm being 100% honest, I've been looking forward to talking to you two since Cooperstown. You know, I, st I went to Cooperstown now at this point about a month and a half ago, and, and I've been looking forward to talking to you guys, and this is, I, I really hope you, know, you enjoyed today's game, even though it was, unfortunately, we did see our, our boy Matt Cain you know, roughed up a little bit, and it was, it, was, it was a tough game, but it was a beautiful day at the ballpark. It's a day game, which is always nice, and you know, we were able to spend some time together, so... I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. And uh, yeah, is there anything like else you'd like to say about just the city or about what the stadium means to to San Francisco? Well, we used to say when we were fighting to build a ballpark and when we were fighting to keep the Giants from leaving for Florida, um, that it's uh, baseball is is. 
kind of the sport where people of all, it's, it's a place where a, a diverse group of people come together. I mean, I could sit next to someone at a baseball game and, and never bump into them in my life, and we have something in common. So, and I think the Giants do make an effort to make sure that some, you know, kids from, from families without a lot of money get to see ball games. So they, they help, because ticket prices are pretty high these days in Major League Baseball, but there are ways. And so I just think it's just a microcosm of a beautiful, diverse society, getting together and rooting for the home team together. It's good for the city economically and, and spiritually. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. And there you have it, my chat with Barbara Nadella. If you didn't fall in love with both of those women, I don't know what to tell you because those are the types of baseball fans that I love to meet. In a previous podcast, I mentioned that one of the big reasons that I decided to do this 30 stadiums in one season tour was to give myself a chance to reconnect with friends that I'd lost touch with that live all across the country. What I did not anticipate, however, was meeting so many great new people and inviting so many amazing new people into my life. And Barbara has shot right to the top of that list. Since conducting this interview, Barbara and I have kept in touch through email, and I know that anytime I head back to San Francisco, her and I are going to catch as many Giants games as possible together. I've made a new friend for life in Barbara and Adela, and it's all thanks to the 30 Stadium Tour. That's going to bring us to the end of another episode of the Rounding Third Podcast. I want to go, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Before I get into the thank yous, this is what I need every single one of you listening to do. You're in iTunes right now, I'm assuming, or you're at my website. Wherever you are, get into iTunes, okay? Go to the iTunes store. Type in Blake White, W-H-Y-T-E, Blake White. His album, More Like Myself, will show up. I need you to go ahead and buy Blake White, More Like Myself, immediately. I've never asked you guys for anything. The website's been free. The photos are free. The write-ups are free. This podcast is free. Everything is free. I'm giving everything away for free. The only thing I'm asking you is to go buy Blake's album. He is the crazy, crazy talented gentleman who composed, recorded, and, and gave me this beautiful theme song that you hear at the beginning of each episode and the outro that you hear play. I'm telling you guys, you need to go buy this album. Blake is tremendously talented. Honestly, you don't even need me to give you the hard sell on this. The album is enough. The music is enough. It's going to enhance your life. So go buy more like myself, and I'll shut up about it. And then you can thank me later. Now that the guilt trip is over, I'll send you back to the free stuff. Check out roundingthird.net for write-ups and photos of my time at all the ballparks. Uh, follow me at roundingthirdmj on Twitter. As always, you can email me at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions you have, roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, that brings us to our thank yous. Thank you, Blake White, for the intro music and the outro music. Thank you, Icarus Ronan, for the web design. Thank you, Krishna Jane, for the photo editing. I want to give a big thank you to the San Francisco Giants organization and Jack and Susan from their front office for inviting me onto the field and answering some of the questions and just being all-around cool people. I got to see Jack's World Series ring, which, yes, in the moment, it definitely broke my heart because of who exactly they beat to earn that ring, but... It's always a cool experience to be able to look at an authentic World Series ring in person. My next trip is a short one. 
I just got to make a quick hop across the bay, check out the Oakland Athletics. So I hope you'll make the trip with me and join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. Rounding third with Manish Jane.